Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose-driven companies and organizations. I'm your host, Aaron Quicken. Did you know there are more than one and a half billion plastic phone cases sold every year? What used to be a revolutionary innovation has actually mutated into a never-ending disposal problem that's polluting our oceans and putting the lives of wildlife and us humans at risk. Our guest today, founder of Pella and Open Mind Developments, Jeremy Lang, is developing products made of environmentally sustainable materials with the hopes to create a waste-free future. Pella is the first company to develop a compostable phone case, and the Pella community has expanded to help people have everyday products without everyday waste. Jeremy, welcome to Brand on Purpose. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. It's great to have you here. You are definitely a little bit of a renaissance man and a little bit of an anomaly. So let me explain. You're a material scientist. You're a self-described ultimate garage inventor, which I love. You're an environmental consultant. You also once worked as an agrologist and an environmental consultant for the oil and gas industry. I believe you also grew up on a farm. You've seen a lot of things, done a lot of things. You're definitely what I would call an environmental entrepreneur warrior, having developed two incredible organizations. And we'll talk about both. I want to start with Pella first. So it's my understanding, you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe this is fake news, I don't think it is, but you had an experience as a child that led to your discovery of flax straw. That's flax, F-L-A-X, which ultimately led to the founding of Pella. Tell our listeners a little bit about, about this experience and what led you to this development. And also, of course, flax straw, which is all new to me. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you for the kind words. The self-described garage entrepreneur. I heard someone else had called me that, my partner. So I, I don't know if I'd say that, but kind. I like to play in the garage and create things for sure. Yeah, I have actually a bachelor of science in agriculture. So soil science and environmental science is what I studied. But materials kind of, I've been self-studying that for the last, oh my gosh, over 10 years. But getting to flax. So I grew up on the Canadian prairies here. And when I was about 10 years old, we were driving through the prairies. It was harvest time. It was getting dark out and, you know, we're in my dad's big old white Buick floating down the highway. And I could see the horizon was glowing orange. And we came out of this valley and we saw these great big balls of fire in the field. And the reason I remember it is because I was scared. It was kind of an eerie feeling like I'd never seen that before to see these fields on fire. So I asked my dad what was going on. And he said, the farmers grow the flax for the oil seed here. And the fiber in the straw is so strong that they burn it because it gets caught up in their equipment. So they burn it. So I said, well, if it's that strong, it must be good for something. And he said, well, maybe when you get older, you can think of something. So that was always in the back of my head. What can we use this waste material for? And kind of started looking at things, uh, you know, in a different way. Yeah. And then fast forward, I worked as an environmental consultant, cleaning up oil and gas sites for actually 18 years, but I always wanted to start a company. So I just kind of got sick of the voices in my head of like, start a company, start a company. I just said, I'm just going to start a company. And I called it Open Mind Developments. And the idea was to look at things with an open mind for a different view. So it's from a Metallica song, Nothing Else Matters. But that, that idea of like, how can we look at things differently and make them better? So I didn't have a product in mind, but I just started looking at things differently. And then fast forward to, it was Christmas of 2008. We were in Kauai. So on this beautiful secluded beach, and uh, my son was a year and a half at the time, and we're digging in the sand, and there are little pieces of plastic everywhere. 
And that really bothered me. Like I felt like who's littering? Like, you know, it would, I'm like, who would litter on such a beautiful beach? And why does my son have to dig in someone else's litter? So when I got back home, I started looking into it and found out about plastics and plastics in the ocean or the Pacific gyre and washing up on the beach, how a natural plastic is like just keeps building and building, whereas everything natural goes in cycles. That's why we really try and mimic nature now as we're going, like get as close as nature as possible. Nature has it figured out. Yeah, so that's some kind of looked at alternatives and there were these biopolymers, so plant-based, biodegradable, compostable materials out there, but they were very brittle. So very limited applications. And then the idea was, oh, that flax fiber is strong. Maybe if we combine it together with these biopolymers, I can make a stronger material. We called it flax stick and we can make products more sustainable that actually go back to the earth and don't last forever in the environment. So that's the quick story. (laughs) That's amazing. So what you're saying, though, this is me really kind of understanding this in lay terms, right? You created a biodegradable plastic called plastic. Yes, I combined two materials to make a better biodegradable material. Yeah, flax stick. Yeah. Why isn't everything made of this then? I hope one day it will be. It costs more money. It's a little harder to deal with. But you know, that's our goal. One day, we hope every phone case is made with these types of materials that go back to the earth. And pretty much every phone case can't be recycled because there's a combination of materials. And so they all end up in landfill. So it's ridiculous when you think of it. If someone keeps their phone for two years, which is on average, and yet the phone case to protect that phone will last for hundreds or thousands of years and is made from a non-renewable resource. And will end up in landfill. Like when you think of it that way, it's like single-use plastics almost, but it's they're used for a year instead of seconds or minutes kind of thing. But that's the way we think about it. Yeah. And every time I upgrade my phone, I mean, I just went to the 13, which I don't recommend, by the way. You know, my old 12 case or 11 case doesn't fit the 13 because they changed the camera and whatever. And so I have like a whole drawer full of stuff that's probably not even recyclable, quite frankly. So like, you know, what do I do with it? And When you started out, though, you said you started this in 2008. The iPhone was introduced in maybe 2007. Yes. There were still, I guess, Androids out there in some casing, but you were really getting out ahead of this because that was your first product, right? Was the case? It was. So 2009, 2010 is when I did the R&D. And then 2011 is when the very first Pila case was launched, July of 2011. And it was for an iPhone 4 case. Everyone seemed to have the iPhone and like it was exciting, you know, kind of wanted to be a part of that, but also help solve a problem. So, you know, and the other thing when you, I'm just thinking about when you asked about why doesn't everyone do it? The other problem is the infrastructure isn't quite there in place yet for compostable products. It's there, but not great. Like our phone case, for example, and this led us to other products. But I think the the important thing is to start something. It's not perfect. We believe in better. And we started doing this. So we have this, we made this case can go in your home compost, go in industrial composters. But the problem is not everyone has home composters. Not everyone has access to an industrial composter. Not every industrial composter will take it because they don't know if it's regular plastic or compostable plastic, and they don't want to contaminate their compost. So we're like, okay, well, we'll take it back then. So we started a Pila 360 program where we take complete responsibility for our products. And uh, we kind of like we talk about the responsibility economy, like taking responsibility. What if every company took responsibility for their products? And uh, so we take those back and grind them up and turn them into second generation products. And we sell them on our, as uh, our reborn collection. And then when we get them back, when we can't turn them into new products anymore, we grind them up and we send them to compost and they go back to the earth and fertilize plants and create more crops and, you know, all that stuff and more biopolymers. So, but we also looked at it 
I don't know if we're going to get to Lomi, but that's kind of how we did get to Lomi is we're like, this infrastructure is broken. Like the recycling is not working. Less than 10% actually gets recycled. This composting problem that I just said isn't working for compostable plastics so well. So what if we democratize it and democratize waste management and give everyone the ability to get rid of their waste in a natural, get as close to nature as possible. And we're looking at it as what if garbage was optional? What if everything you bought does not have to go to landfill? Everything could go back to nature like everything in nature. And that's kind of the way we're looking at things now with Lomi and food waste and compostable products. So creating a whole new infrastructure and decentralizing waste management. So Lomi is your at-home composting machine, which you just launched in 2021. Correct. Yep. How does that work? Basically, we help nature. So take an apple. If an apple falls to the ground in nature, you know, it might take a year or two for it to fully break down and go back to the soil. But that's what it should do. Like all the nutrients goes back, feeds the tree, grow more apples. That's the cycle. When you take that apple and if you put it in a home compost, you're basically adding energy and microorganisms to it, a hotter environment, more microbial activity. So instead of two years or a year, it might take six months for that apple to break down and go back to the earth. When we put it in Lomi, now we have this little magic box where we can control the temperature, we can control the mixing, we can control the airflow, we can add bacteria if we need to, and we're adding energy and we speed that up. So now it breaks down in hours instead of months or years cool how big is Lomi like what is it when you, it's a box is it like the size of like a small garbage pail yeah it would be about the size of like a toaster oven roughly it fits about three liters so roughly a gallon like a milk jug I would say would be the size of the bucket so that's about equivalent to what a, the average family does a day like it can do about you know a few pounds of food waste a day the result is something you can just throw in your garden, basically? You can, depending. We have three modes. There are kind of other dehydrators out there now, but we have three modes, and it's just simple one push of a button. So one mode is an express mode, so it breaks it down. And we control the humidity, so it's something that the end product, they're just starting to hit the market now. But when people see, when you put in all like your vegetable waste and your fruit waste or food waste, and you push that button, and then like within four hours, you look at it, and it looks like soil. <laughs> It's just, it's like magic, but it's not. We're just speeding up nature, but it's really cool to see that. But yeah, you can put in your garden. And then we have a Lomi approved mode, which is for Lomi approved compostable bioplastics. So products that are already certified to go in your home compost or in your industrial compost, if you put them in Lomi, it breaks them down. It accelerates that process. It breaks it down into smaller pieces. In some cases, it actually makes it all completely disappear because we're adding those optimal environment for those bioplastics to break down. And then they can go in your green bin program into a compost facility. It just makes it easier for more of these compost facilities to accept those type of products. And then we have a grow mode, which is for if you do want to put in your garden, we keep it in there and, and let it work a little longer for like 20 hours to really encourage microbial growth. And the end product is moist. So that's a product that can go right directly in your garden. About 10 years ago, we started a compost in our backyard. So old school, like you said, created a nice warm environment so that apple core will take two years, but maybe six months. And for months, my wife and I in particular, the kids to an extent, they're way younger than we were really kind of religious about parsing and separating our garbage, right? Into what's compostable versus what's like trash and waste. One of the things we couldn't do, of course, is put anything that's like meat oriented or animal fat oriented into our compost. Is that the same rule for the Lomi as well? You can. 
we don't recommend it. It's basically, it's like eating, right? Garbage in, garbage out. If you put healthy food in, it makes healthy topsoil or soil. You can, um, we have put meat in and it does work. It's not a highly, it's not a recommended, but it does work. So it does break those down. And it depends on where you're putting it. If you're putting it in your sensitive flowers, well, then maybe don't put grease in, you know, that type of thing. But getting back to the whole natural cycle, animals, anything that dies naturally goes back to the earth. That's what I used to think. And I'm like, why can't I put my bacon grease and the fat from my strip steak into my compost pile outside? But everybody's like, don't do that. They basically said it won't. Maybe it's because it won't probably degrade as fast, right? Yeah. And I think it's not as high quality compost or you're going to attract animals. So that's the other neat thing about loaning. That's the other issue. Yes. Yeah. Bears and raccoons and coyotes. And yes, yeah, that's the other problem. It's basically dirt and it makes it easy. So you don't have to deal with that messy bag and pollen stuff to your green bin. You put it in loamy, you can still put it in your green bin, but now you're putting, it's like 80% less in there. So you're not taking out the garbage as much. You're not taking to the green bin as much. And then you look at the big picture, like instead of that green bin being picked up every week or two, maybe you can pick it up every two months because now this material, there's 80% less going in it. It can sit there. You don't have to worry about animals. So yeah, all that stuff, cool stuff. How much energy does this low meat require? We're trying to make it as energy efficient as possible. It's like running your oven for like 15 minutes. Like it's every cycle kind of thing. So not very much power at all, but we're, we're working on making it even better and better because ideally you can't get something for nothing. We're adding energy to it. Well, that energy has to come from somewhere and nature comes from sun and microorganisms, but we're adding it to it. But ideally, hopefully one day, most places will be using renewable energy and, and we'll make we'll be even more efficient. Do other products like this exist? Because I've never heard of anything like this before. Admittedly, I sometimes can live under a rock or a compost pile, but is this new, unique? I mean, is it just a better, more advanced version of an earlier idea? I think the idea has been around for a long time. There are larger ones, but ours is unique in having those three modes and just very simple and what it will take and all that stuff. So we're always standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Just making things better and better and more efficient with everything we do. I heard you say it's Pila, not Pella. I said Pella earlier. That's all right. We get Pila, we get Pella, we get Pela. It's all good. It's like Nike. Nike. (laughs) As long as they're buying and they're going to your website and they know who you are, that's all that matters. That's right. What is a Lomi unit retail for? It retails for about $500. So, and we're looking at other ways to get that price down. Our goal is to have a Lomi in every kitchen. So how can we do that? How can we subsidize that? How can we work with governments and prove that we're saving their money or the city's money? Like that type of thing. How can we show that it's actually provide uh, waste credits for the customer and the consumers and for like cities to show that, yeah, you're actually, there's less waste going to landfill. and when that apple goes to landfill, instead of it having nutrients going back into the soil to feed the trees, you're creating methane. Actually doing more harm. Yeah. Yeah. Way more harm. It's the worst thing we can do. We're stripping all the nutrients that are supposed to go back into the soil. We're sending that to the landfill where it turns into the, one of the worst greenhouse gases in methane rather than like naturally CO2, like that type of thing. So that's neat. And we're working on upcoming versions that are be like smart and connected and so we can have real time how much waste is going in how much waste is coming out you can see if on your iphone that's wrapped in a pila case in a pila case exactly right i love it uh i have to say i have a little bit of regret now that we bought my son a panini press machine he's in university christmas i should have given him a lomi instead under the tree uh, but there's always next year so that's okay that's right 
Exactly. Yes. So not only are you creating products that are better for the environment and better for us ultimately, but um, it sounds like you've also built a give back into your business model itself, right? So you donate a percentage of every sale to Ocean Cleanup and other preservation initiatives, right? Yes, as a 1% for the planet member. If you're going to go through all the work of start a business, why not make it as environmentally and socially sustainable as possible? And we really believe in business as a force of good. Like that's one of the driving forces to turn things around is let's use business as a vehicle to do good in the world. So we've been a member for quite a while. And I think we've, we're probably close to a million dollars donated to 1%, like to nonprofits, which is really amazing, right? Like that's a, that's the, yeah, it's incredible. And like, it's just, that's one of the things that I'm most proud of is that we did that and that we're doing that and giving back. Let's talk about the business side of this for a second. When you started, was it self-funded? Did you go for investors right away? I've heard that you have a very famous investor, at least his VC called Marcy Ventures. So you've got Jay-Z as an investor. Yes. Which is, uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty neat, pretty amazing. It was basically my wife and kids and family helping out do orders like in the basement, basically right up until probably 2017 almost. But 2015, I realized, you know, working a full-time job, doing this on the side and looking back at my journals, there were some pretty dark days of like, what am I doing? Like, should I keep going? And like all that stuff. And my wife and I are like, man, every vacation time is for Pila and mornings, evenings, weekends. Like, what are we doing? We're just barely hanging in here. And then I started working with a coach and realizing my strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, I had this big dream, but realizing that I need other people who have you know, if you want to play in the NBA or the NHL, you need players and teammates who are pros at that to reach that level. Yeah. So I went to this entrepreneur event and I met my first partner, Matt, who's our CEO. So I knew how to make the product. I didn't know how to market it and I didn't know how to scale it. So being really open and honest with your strengths and weaknesses, and that's hard. Your ego might take a hit, but if you really believe in what you're doing and for the greater good of what we need for Pila to survive and OMD to grow and to make the impact we want to make in the world, got to have partners and players who are like world-class kind of thing. Yeah. So that's uh, Matt started investing in helping with the marketing and helping with the vision and clarifying our mission and all that stuff. And then Brad, our uh, chairman is our, my other business partner. And he was in the toy industry for 25 years and literally sold a billion pieces of plastic products and had an exit and wanted to give back and show Asia, you know, how we can use these more sustainable materials and, and make things more sustainable. So yeah. And then, so 2018, we set a goal of eliminating a billion pounds of waste. That was our 10 year goal. Like 2028, we wanted to do that. And we started looking at waste and started with plastic waste, packaging waste, even energy waste or wasting time at work, like tying all that stuff. Or how can we put our dollars that we donate to for purpose? How can we make that most efficient? Like that type of thing. Yeah. 2019, we took on that venture capital or series A and just, it really started growing, building out the team, like-minded people, you know, like just one plus one equals three kind of thing. Just making things just stronger and stronger as we grew. And then Lomi, we launched in uh, well, last year. So it's been a crazy journey. And just so, so our listeners know, when you launched, when you raised your last round, you were valued at $100 million. Yeah. It's crazy. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was before Lomi. Yeah. And, and I think it sounds like Lomi is going to be a game changer. I guess part of game changing is also behavior changing. And I think the thing, I I go back to what I said earlier, one of the things that we struggled with is it was kind of a novelty at first to compost. Now, admittedly, it wasn't as easy as you're making it because I had to have a separate little container 
that was smelling pretty bad in the kitchen. It was looking pretty gross, like even banana peel, even after a day, right? Like it reminded me back like when I was in my dorm in college or my frat house, you know? That's right. Someone should take out the garbage and clean those dishes. <laughs> well, yeah. So then, then it's like, okay, so who, who's going to, you know, go outside and dump it into the compost and whatever, whatever. So we were able to maintain it for a while, but it didn't stick. What advice do you have to get families or individuals or couples or what have you to, to make this stick, to make the behavior change stick? Because you can have the best technology in the world, but unless you can get people to actually change their life flow, it doesn't matter. Right. Changing human behavior is very hard. So try and make it as easy and seamless as possible. Like a phone case, same protection. This one's a little more sustainable or more sustainable than this one. Why would you choose the other one? And same with like with Lomi, the stickiness of Lomi, like when we give them out for testing, people don't want to give them back because it's easy and it's fun. And it's like you're seeing magic every day. I mean, it really is, but it's not magic. It's nature and science. But I mean, it, it's just so much easier. Like my wife and I were still amazed when we fill it up and push the button. And the next day we're like, look at this. It's almost gone. And I think, you know, just having even our children involved, they get excited about seeing like what it can do. And, and I, I, I don't know. It's, I think, yeah, the stickiness is huge, but make it as easy and fun as possible. And like rewarding too. It's rewarding right now in that like, hey, I don't have to take out the garbage as much because that food waste isn't going to garbage. You know, like that type of thing. That's that's rewarding. But when you actually physically can see what happens, like we talk about when you throw your stuff in the recycling bin, you're like, yeah, does this is this really going to get recycled? I'm so skeptical. I watch the guys every Friday morning and they're like, allegedly have like this other section. And then when it leaves my driveway, where is it really? Exactly. I'm like spending all this time, you know, scrubbing out the peanut butter jar, you know, it's forever to get that one. But you're thinking like, am I doing this for nothing? Because are they just going to itch it in the garbage? But when you can actually see that happen, even with our phone cases or other compostable Lomi approved products that we put in Lomi, when you see them break down and pretty much disappear overnight, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So you can actually put your phone case in a Lomi and it should disintegrate. Yes, the very first time we kind of figured out how to get the machine to work and design it in an engineering way, we actually thought someone took the phone case out. We're like, did someone take the phone case out? It's gone. The first time it took a few days, but now we got it down to like seven hours kind of thing. But again, it's just, it's speeding up nature. It's adding the right components to help break these products down. How many times did you fail at building Lomi before you built Lomi? Lots. Like every day, we'd be testing different formulas, different variations, changing different filters, different motors, different blends of what's going in at different additives. We've literally conducted over a thousand tests, even in the last six months, which is really cool when you look at science. And to be able to, instead of that test for something to compost to break down, taking six months or a year in a field, or you know what I mean? We can do it in a day. So the rate where we can like change and uh, modify and test and like, oh, no, that didn't work, fail, fat, that whole thing. Like we're doing that all the time. And we're just getting started and I'm really, really excited about what we can do with it. And, and then get other product manufacturers who make compostable materials or products or packaging to figure out how to get their material to work in Lomi because now we have this controlled environment. It's not sitting out in a pile somewhere. We know exactly what the temperature is going to be. We know exactly how much we're going to mix it. If we need to add additives, different bacteria to really help speed it up, all that stuff is just really exciting from a material science side. Yeah, you would think that municipalities, at least the forward thinking ones, would provide some sort of a tax rebate or an incentive to families and households who can show that they have purchased the Lomi. You know, you talk about the responsible economy. Obviously, this is also very much a circular 
economy because it will reduce significantly. If every household had a Lomi, think about a town of 10,000 people, the amount of waste that each household produces, it should significantly reduce the amount of waste, even the number of sanitation workers, garbage trucks, which then reduces the amount that they're idling and they're driving around. I mean, it's highly contributive, right? Absolutely. We're working on it. That's our goal. And we think it's a win-win-win for everyone. Do you ever imagine making like an industrial commercial size one for like hospitals and universities and larger institutions that really produce a ton of waste? Yeah, we are. We're working on a larger commercial version, more for restaurants, but then and then also larger versions down the road. So yeah, and just getting back, we're really challenging ourselves. What if garbage was optional? What if every single thing from your clothing to your packaging to your food was made to go in a device that completely, there's no waste, can go back to the soil, like in nature. That's the way we're thinking about it now, which is really exciting. It's an exciting challenge. So off air, we talked a little bit about dogs. Here's my next challenge for you, dog poop. I think this is a real problem. I honestly do. I mean, unfortunately, you know, we go around and whatever plastic bags we have left, because we're told do not leave it out. Obviously, we don't want to anyway, but you can't, you know, like I live in the woods, I could just chuck it into the woods, but that's not helpful. So it's like, I know it's going to a landfill in a plastic bag, which is like a double no-no. If you guys can figure out some sort of device where I can just dump dog poop into it, it just disappears. That valuation will go to billions. No, but you're right. Like what, it's the same idea as that apple, like that dog poop. It's it natu- in nature, like it goes back it, as long as someone's not stepping in it. How can we help nature and make that even easier? So maybe it is. Like, that's what we're trying to figure out. And like, how can we make it so it's safe to go back into someone's garden? And what temperatures do you have to eat? Do you, do you, what, what microorganisms do you have to add to it? To, you know, or what temperatures do you got to get so there are no pathogens? Like that type of thing. And how do you get rid of the odor? Those are all things that we're working on. But it's exciting. Like when we, I said our original goal was a billion pounds of waste. We reset it. We just reset it this year since Lomi to 10 billion pounds of waste. Because we're like, I think like if there are a million Lomis out there, well, you can get to a billion pounds pretty quick. If everyone's saving like, you know, five pounds a day, it really adds up. So when we talk about our North Star being to create a waste-free future and eliminate a billion pounds of waste, and that's kind of how we measure everything. To be sustainable, you have to survive as a company sustainably. You need a sustainable business. But if you measure yourself on something other than revenue, it really, it's like the saying, right? Like if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. We started looking at waste differently a long time ago. And then you just keep building on it. And now you like now we just talked about dog poop. Like, yeah, let's look at that differently. <laughs> uh-huh. And and like you said, I mean, I'd much rather go to a restaurant that not just they obviously have to have good food, but if I knew that everything they did was with a zero waste mentality, including composting leftovers, I'm even more inclined to not just go there, but go there often. <laughs> you know? With Valentine's Day coming up, I think it's a perfect gift. I'm sure my wife would love me to get her a Lomi for Valentine's Day. This is how I show your love of you and the environment. What is the easiest and uh, quickest way for people to get their hands on a Lomi? Online, you can order it on our website. So Pila Lomi, just search Get Lomi or Pila Lomi. It'll pop up right there. So yeah. Right. And it's Pila with one L. It's not like the window company. That's Pella. It's Pila with one L. Yeah, exactly. It loosely translates into peel in Spanish. And the idea was an apple peel protects the apple fruit. And it goes back to the earth when you're done with it, like it's biodegradable, compostable. So 
pila.earth or Lomi, it'll come right up. And the big ones are just arriving in Canada now as we speak. So they'll be getting out the door pretty quick, Big some big orders of, uh, of Lomi. So we're excited about that. And what's the derivation of Lomi, real quick, the name? Lomi is just like loam, like a loam soil is like the perfect blend of a sand, silt and clay, like that play, it's a play on that word. Awesome. Jeremy, it was such a pleasure to have you on. So inspiring, so interesting. You're checking all these boxes. You're also, I think, at the precipice of something huge. I really do. Now we just need to get kind of affinity partners and municipalities and other large influencers and influential organizations to get on board. And then ultimately, we'll be able to force behavior change, but in a, but in a positive way, in, in a way that's, again, science and fact-based. Mm-hmm. We can all use a little bit more of that these days. Yeah. Not just gut-based, right? It, it has to be a little bit of everything. So I think what you're doing is freaking awesome. And uh, it is such an honor to have you on. And thank you for being so generous with your time and for bringing these innovations to the market. Yeah, thank you. You're very kind. And we're by no means perfect, but we're trying our best and we're having fun with it. And it's fun to create. It's fun to have conversations with like-minded people like you. So thank you for the opportunity. Great. Well, I can't wait to see your continued success. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful, purpose-driven companies, organizations, and people. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to our production team, including Maria Bias, Michael Grubbs, Anna Lamb, Haley Sackett, and Nina Valdez. Learn more about our show, sponsorship opportunities, and hosts by emailing BOP at kwtglobal.com or visiting aaronquitkin.com. Find us on LinkedIn and Instagram under Brand on Purpose Podcast.